Joining me now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Good morning, Al. I love Leonard Cohen. Oh. Just one of my, you know, and I, I hear, it's kind of bittersweet, some of it, because you hear hallelujah at so many funerals oh, and yeah. visitations, but it, it's just a wonderful song. And and Stevie Earle, oh, Galway Girl, is one of my favorite oh, okay. songs of all time by Stevie Earle, so that was uh, wonderful. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. I, I do want to thank uh, everybody at the Steele County Free Fair and everybody at the Henderson Hummingbird Hurrah. A lot of wonderful listeners came up and uh, said uh, they listened to KMSU, and I, I appreciate that. It was it was great meeting. Uh, a lot of them uh, were old friends, but a lot of, a lot of new folks, and it was a pleasure meeting them. And I know, Karen, you mentioned you got uh, somebody that had... Uh, said they uh, listened to my bee tree story. Yeah, hang on. It says, it's, hi, I saw Al at the Hummingbird Hurrah last Saturday and listened to his story about the bee tree. And then he asked a question. I'm going to ask this before you tell your story. Do you know the difference okay. between a hippo and a zippo? hippo and a zippo. It's <laughs> uh, pretty bad. <laughs> one, is, one is lighter than the other. Okay, close. A hippo is really heavy. A zippo is a little lighter. Oh, uh, <laughs> All right, now what's yeah. this bee story? I, I maybe I've heard it, but I don't know for sure. The bee tree, what is that about? Yeah, and it's it's a long one, so I I won't tell it. But it was in when I was a boy, uh, the neighbor kid and I, a couple young idiots in the making. Well, I think we were probably already made idiots, and we were uh, we'd watched the wonderful world of Disney about how they collected honey. And we decided uh, we knew where there would be trees, and we decided <laughs> oh, that no. we were going to collect honey. And as you might expect, with uh, two young idiots, oh, no. things uh, we had planned well, but things went wrong, and they just uh, had uh, really bad results. But I continue to like honey this to this day, and it was. I told this story because I shared a table with a guy by the name of Larry Farr. And Larry, as uh, a lot of people know, Gail and I do not have a working TV, so we're limited on some of that stuff. We can watch things on our iPad and everything, so it's not like we're um, <laughs> completely out of, well, we are pretty much completely out of touch. But uh, Larry does a thing for Channel 5 out of the cities about, uh, oh, gardening and, uh, and, and bees. He's a beekeeper. So he told all kinds of stories about the bees. So that's what uh, brought up this bee tree story. So it was, it was fun getting to know Larry. I'd never met him before, and it was uh, a nice guy, and it was uh, good. And he brought his bees down to Henderson, so everybody could come up there. And people uh, found great joy in attempting to find a queen bee in this uh, great number of bees and a lot of them did find the queen in there and it just uh, it was uh, pretty pleasurable i think for the ones that found it hey al uh, i was going to say speaking of bees sure. last night i was petting bumblebees because you always talked about that and my they love yeah they love my hearty hibiscus and i thought well i'm going to try it and if i get stung i'll just blame al bat but they actually let <laughs> yeah. you do that and they just sit there and they continue to drink the nectar and they're so just amazing i just so thank you for you know mentioning next my son said can you really do that and i says well i don't know i'll try it so i did so thank you al 
Yeah, and uh, I always tell everybody, you know, if you got a problem with if being stung is a terrible thing, please don't do it. And I've never been stung by one, and they don't seem to mind at all, and it just gives me great pleasure. They are lovely, gentle creatures, and I, I just love being around them. And it, it makes my day to pet one, and I, I do it every day. In the winter, it's a little tougher, but uh, while they're around, I sure do. I um, The other day, I walked in a fog, and, you know, August fogs, and we get a lot of them, and it wasn't my usual brain fog. It was just an early morning fog. And again, folklore says that for every fog in August, there will be a snowfall the following winter. And I had an inchworm, or some might call it looper. There's these small little caterpillars. And they, one of them was on me, and my dad always said it was measuring me for a new suit because <laughs> it's like they measure an inch, and then they move on, measure another inch. And I watched the ants move about. It had, uh, it had rained, so the ants had to rebuild things. And as I walked along, I, I have to watch them. I like ants, and it, it's amazing. Uh, the ground that was their roof was my floor. And I looked across the road uh, in the ditch, and Curly Dock is evident on the roadside. So now if you're driving around and you see this stuff, its seeds are a a rich brown, uh, like coffee. Oh, we used to call that the tobacco plant. That's what I thought it was. I always thought that was what tobacco came from. That's right. (laughs) And I tried smoking it once as a kid uh, (laughs) with another idiot neighbor boy. And that oh did not go well either. We had a lot of misadventures. I think we, I don't know how many successes we had, but, you know, they were all learning experiences. We learned we're never going to ever, ever smoke curly dock again because it it turns you into a sort of a rich green color. Um, a lot of folks, when I walked down the driveway under under my feet where pineapple weed is blooming, and the flowers of pineapple weed are dome-shaped little guys, and they're yellowy, greenish color. And its name comes from the pineapple-like smell of its crushed leaves and flowers. So mm. pluck one up, and if you just crush it, and it smells like pineapple, that's pineapple weed. And it's a persistent plant that thrives in poor conditions, such as the edges of a driveway. Do you know and what, Al, b- before, yeah. you go, before you go on, I want to let you say, you know those little pineapple plants? We always thought they looked like little evergreen trees. So when we were younger, we would take our little tr- trucks and tractors, and those would always be like the the um, the corn, and we pretended they were corn in uh, our oh, little field. Right. And sometimes we would dip, you know dig them up and replant them in another little spot, and that would be our little farming operation. So I never knew what they were called, but I've since found that out. So, yeah, they... They make great little toys. <laughs> it, and they do look sort of like little ears of corn because yeah. they don't have what we think of as florets or flower petals right. coming out from it. They're just uh, it's this little yellowish-green thing. So, yeah, they sure could be. And, boy, they're a tough plant. They just grow everywhere. that uh, They grow where things shouldn't grow. And uh, that you just say, boy, nothing will grow in this gravel. Well, these little guys grow in it and seem to thrive. I, I looked up one of my favorite trees as a dead tree. It's uh, hollow and with broken limbs, and it stood in stark 
contrast with the green leaves of the trees that surrounded it. But there were kestrels in the tree, and they were singing, they weren't singing, they were calling, keely, keely, keely. And down lower on the tree were white-breasted nuthatches making those odd sounds as they traveled on the bark in pursuit of food. The male has a black cap and the female's cap is grayer. I saw a American goldfinch male flying high and like he's doing figure eights in the air just to display. It's the state bird of Iowa, New Jersey, and Washington. And one day, I can't tell you the day, not that it matters, but there was a coyote in my headlights, and it was dragging a bit of roadkill, trying to get it off the road, I suppose. uh, They they help clean our roads. They do good work out there. And I I like coyotes. I know a lot of people don't, and um, I think... They're safer. I, well, I know they're safer than deer are much more dangerous than coyotes. And according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 200 people die in deer collisions with their car deer collisions annually. Uh, Paul Schwab, just a, a good guy, and Paul uh, said he was sorry he did not see Karen Wright at the Steel County Fair because you were there, but he missed you. Yeah, we must have just um, missed him because we stopped by first when we got there to see you and say hello, and then we wandered off and came back, and you mentioned he was there. So, hey, Paul, I say hello, and sorry I missed you. How many um, eat joints do you think are at the Steel County Fair? I read on their brochure over 100, and I checked because I asked at the information booth, I said, do you have any gluten-free places? Thinking, like normal, they're like, well, we don't know. But they actually had them all highlighted. So this lady highlighted them, you know, gave me the thing, and I could actually find things to eat at the Steel County Fair, which I usually can't anywhere else I go. So I was so excited. So so there were over 100. Yeah, I uh, talked to one of the... Uh one of the uh, board members there, and he he thought there were 120, wow. oh man, 121 or something. But he said, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, but I think that's <laughs> what it is, he said. that, And you could uh, work up an appetite just by walking all the food vendors before deciding what to eat. Uh, Paul Schwab in Oatana saw a tufted titmouse which is a really cool bird, and he says it's the first one of those he's ever seen, and it was in his yard. Uh, Vern Tufty, a listener from Owatonna, said he enjoys listening to KMSU, and asked where are the birds, and Vern, they're just, it's that time of year, or my feeders are really busy now again, but there was a little time there where they just had so much food, so much natural food, and they got the babies out, and they probably wanted to travel a little bit, and maybe take the babies around and show them, here's what you should be eating, this is good, this isn't good, and that sort of thing, but they'll be back. Uh, Tom and Dot Kiner, wonderful folks from Janesville, saw some trumpeter swans and cygnets. Tom Bovers, a ferryboat, said each day, each morning he goes out and picks a huge jug full of Japanese beetles. And he said when he started, one day he went out and he didn't put any uh, liquid soap in or any soap in the jug. And he sat the jug, and, oh, you know, he'd get busy with other things, and he forgot about the jug. So it sat there. He said he, he didn't want to torture the beetles or anything. He just forgot. 
And he came back, and they were, Pernod all of them were still alive in that jug of water. So uh, he said, if you don't put soap in there, they just, uh, they are, they're survivors. Uh, Tom Tustison uh, saw a lark sparrow in Watwan County. Ronald Erpelding, I've birded a lot with Ron, what a wonderful guy, uh, found a common gallinule in Waseca County. Uh, Brad Abendroth found a buff-breasted sandpiper in Lesseur County. So these are all birds that uh, have some some rareness to go with them. Um, Gunner Burke, Albert Lee, said only one pair of cedar waxwings showed up in the serviceberry trees this year. I assume it was a local nesting pair. This was the first year in 20-plus years that we were not invaded by a mob of waxwings. Looking to the future, I have planted six flowering crabs that set small fruit, six or eight clove currants, six Saskatoon service berries, six-foot shrubs, as opposed to the 25-foot trees we currently have. So, well, thanks, Gunner. And in a uh, kind of a, oh, a similar uh, vein here, someone asked, I fear my burning bush has died. And I know this is something that certainly could be uh, in the gardening arena, but they asked what could happen to it. Well, number one is those plants... Uh, are fodder for voles or rabbits. So it's always that possibility that voles could have damaged it uh, enough by girdling it that it might die. But burning bush or winged euonymus shrubs were some of those that experienced injuries from our long winter. So a hard frost when bushes are coming out of dormancy can cause death or dieback, and the most common frost injury occurs in either early spring or late fall. So that could be it. I have um, in our yard here, too, the same thing, and we're going to let them go and see if they maybe make a comeback next year. I think but, I lost three of them at the my house in Mankato and the neighbors across the street, and I've heard a lot of people lost those those burning bushes, too. I had a smaller one out at the lake house, so, and that one seemed to be fine, so it seemed to be the older ones at least, for some reason, in mine took the brunt of it, and mine aren't going to make it. There's just, they're dead. So good for you for seeing if it <laughs> if you have some life left, maybe it'll come back. Yeah, and I know some people have uh, told me that they have, it's printer all dead, but there's like one branch that still has leaves on yeah. it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to save that one or not, or maybe just go get a new one. I'm sure I'm sure some of the folks that sell burning bushes would be happy to see you and set you up with a new one there. <laughs> sure. I, I would imagine anyway. Uh I heard you, this was somebody at uh, Henderson Hummingbird Hurrah asked this, said, I heard you mention alloprening on the radio. What is that? Well, that's, I think of it, a lot of folks are familiar with uh, how parakeets or parrots maybe have a paramen in a cage, and one bird preens or grooms the skin or feathers of another bird. And a lot of our wild birds do that exact same thing. So it's, uh, 
Oh, it's, it's a pair bonding thing, and plus it just helps uh, all get rid of things that they might have on them and straightens out their feathers. They just You can see one looking at the other one saying, man, that one feather there is crooked. And I watched a pair of morning doves this morning doing that, just moving things around on one another's feathers. And it, it's kind of cool. It always makes me go, aw, that's just that's sweet. Uh, Gary Borchert and Paul Schwab both sent me photos of birds for identification. And coincidentally, they were the same kind of bird, and they were chuckers. C-H-U-K-A-R-S. And most books that you look in and your field guides will not have these. Some do have them, but most do not. Chuckers from Pakistan were released in this country as game birds. They were released in Minnesota as game birds, and they were unsuccessful here. The birds we see here are birds that have been reared for hunting purposes that have escaped. So we, it is not a, um, a typical wild bird that we see here. I've had them in my yard, and the one I had in the yard one time was back when we had gray partridges or Hungarian partridges a little more in number. And there was a pair of that, and the poor chucker was following them around because that was, I suppose, the closest he could find to what he was were those two. And, of course, they wanted nothing to do with him because they thought, I've never seen anything like you before. Ew, 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 ew. And they kept going, and he kept following. And I, I just felt sorry for the poor guy. Uh, things to look for this time of year. Man, there's all kinds of great stuff going on. Uh, yellow jackets. Well, maybe people will say this isn't so great. Yellow jackets will attend picnics without being invited, so be careful. They are, they they still have plenty of food now, but before too long, we get that first frost that starts killing things. Then all of a sudden, the yellow jackets start running out of food, and so then they go to picnics. And then they've kind of figured out maybe that they're not going to live forever, which puts them in kind of a surly mood. So they just, uh, their uh, attitude adjusts you know, the wrong way. Uh, wild grapes ripen, uh, milkweed pods proliferate, acorns drop. In Singers in the Night, if you open your front door tonight and just step outside, you will hear snowy tree crickets, conehead katydids, ground crickets, bush katydids and field crickets all all night long these guys will sing we'll see tinges of fall colors on foliage i see a little bit of color here and there but i think it's pretty much all stress related it's an area where maybe uh, oh there's been spray or there's been road construction uh, something that has damaged uh, or caused some kind of problems with a plant so they have turned colors most Baltimore Orioles will have left us by the end of the first week of September. And uh, every year I'm sad to see them go. They're such, they're such beautiful creatures. They have that wonderful whistle. And if you go out and you take a walk somewhere, you will notice that we have a lot of goldenrods, asters, and sunflowers blooming now. There's mm-hmm. just great numbers of them. And if you will look on those goldenrods, asters, and sunflowers, you will find all kinds of insects. 
it's just a uh it's like a it's like going to an insect zoo. You can just go there and see all these marvelous insects and things like crab spiders and all these I just love going out there. So uh, take a look at those, and uh, I want to mention one last time here for an August 25th Pelican Breeze cruise on Elberly Lake. It's 1.30 on August 25th, aboard at Frank Hall Park. The cruises are at 1.30. If you'd like more information, it's a 507 number. It's 383-7273, 383-7273. The Pelican Breeze is a nonprofit organization that is attempting to uh, educate folks about the importance not only of uh, clean lakes but clean water in general and to walk I was going to say walk kindly on the earth, but we'll be on water, so I don't know if uh, maybe swim kindly on the earth. So it, it's a <clears throat> wonderful project. Uh, a lot of uh, people put in a, a lot of hours just trying to, uh, it, it's an education arm of uh, Elberly Lake, and appreciate all the good people that come there. And We've had people from, well, not all over creation, but from China and uh, New Zealand and all over come there. I don't think they come just for that. I you know, I can't imagine somebody in Auckland, New Zealand saying, you know what we need to do is go on that Pelican Breeze in Elberly, <laughs> Minnesota. What do you say we uh, book a flight and we can get there and maybe be there by this weekend because oh, that'd be all they would do on the boat would be sleeping I think if they left by now. Somebody asked uh, they have a Cooper's Hawk is hunting birds at her feeders and she's not happy about it she said i i don't I, you know i don't want to shoot the bird i just want it to stop i want it to go away and go hunt somewhere else <laughs> what can i do what can i do about this hawk it's just driving me nuts well cooper's hawk i will admit it doesn't always make a good first impression so you're looking out the window at your feeder and all of a sudden whew, this hawk comes in and takes your favorite bird. That's making a bad first impression. Because hawks that feed on birds take the term bird feeder at face value. If you want to discourage the hawk, one of the ways would be maybe take your feeders down for a bit. The songbirds, the feeder birds, they often face fluctuating food supplies, so they're accustomed to searching for food. They're good at finding food in other places. So put the feeders back up in maybe a week or two. The songbirds should return, but the hawk might have found better hunting elsewhere. Uh, studies have found a Cooper's hawk is successful 10 to 12% of the time on its hunts. Uh, providing natural cover for small birds could help, uh, like Gunnar Berg was doing with all his plantings. Uh, you can eliminate ground feeding. Birds feeding on the ground are more vulnerable to hawk attacks. And you caged feeders might offer some protection. I, the, it won't stop the little bird from panicking because the hawk will come and his first instinct is just to get out of there. But it'll buy him a little bit of time and that he might be able to get away. And it's a, a natural thing, and I know it's hard to see, but uh, I hope one of those will help you in your your fight against the Cooper's Hawks. You know, it's uh, it's nothing personal what they're doing. They're just, uh, 
you know, they're just trying to get by like everybody is. So it, it just so happens that uh, what they eat is primarily other birds, which, uh, again, is I understand that. I remember the, the first time uh, we started getting cardinals, uh, we live on a farm, and the first time we started getting fart cardinals with any kind of uh, frequency, I thought, boy, a Cooper's hawk better not come in here and take one of these cardinals. I'm going to be really unhappy, and I might send a, I'll write a letter to the editor. That's what I'll do, because they'll be sorry they messed with me. So I certainly understand, folks, um, how that feels. But So, Al, I wanted to you, mention that yeah. our good friend John in New Ulm uh, saw a bunch of chimney swift birds going after dragonflies that he also saw flying around his place. So I don't know if chimney swifts are out right now a lot is that the case yeah and uh they have uh oh they they like chimneys and we used to each year we go to villa maria over by lake city and with a bunch of other clowns we'd all sit down with a comfortable chair and we just wait and here comes this huge number of chimney swifts and they'd uh, move as a flock and they'd do a couple practice runs and then down that chimney they'd go and we'd all applaud politely as if we were at some sort of uh, wonderful uh, concert event as we watched them go down there and why maybe they, we'd high five. Why do they go down the chimney? I don't under, I guess I don't know that I've ever seen that or didn't yeah, and that's where they nest. Oh wow! And also where they uh, where they will perch, and then they get together and uh, head south. But yeah, it's just a it's really neat. I like chimney swift. Uh, yesterday I was in New Ulm as well, and I saw a number of uh, common nighthawks uh, flying around, and they will be migrating now. Uh, purple martins, I don't see any at the houses here, so mm-hmm. they've all kind of got out of here. I saw some, I uh, was in New Richland, saw some young barn swallows still in a nest. It was kind of neat because they'd put all kinds of ribbons and things up to keep them away, but they were still nesting in there. But they will be leaving before too long. Too. Will the hummingbirds so. be around much longer? Yeah, you know, I see them, oh, well into September. Oh. I've seen them later than that. I've seen them in December one year. And why you'd see one that late, I don't know. I've seen other species of hummingbirds real late into the year. So hummingbirds will certainly be here for a while. And right now they still have it pretty good with a lot of flowers uh, to feed upon. And people should be seeing uh, white-lined sphinx moths also out there feeding on flowers. So. Well, I hope everyone will come to the cafe, folks, where the food chain is missing a few links. A special is always a Heimlich Maneuver, and gravy is considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders, where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. I was at a funeral the other day. The minister said the deceased name wrong, Uh and he used the name often, as you're supposed to do. But he didn't know the guy. He was kind of a a new minister. But he said it incorrectly each time. And, you know, he was trying to do his best, but it just made folks that knew the deceased cringe a little bit. And I wanted to say something, but a funeral requires a certain decorum. You just don't blurt things out, typically. However... I've heard a story about someone giving a eulogy and saying how everyone knew Bob. And a mourner yelled, 
his name is Bill. <laughs> and without without missing a beat, the eulogist said, "Well, some of us knew him better than others." Oh, gee. <laughs> Remember, folks, Heartland as well. We're driving past. Uh, thank you, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company. And it was great seeing you at the Steel County Fair. I wish you all kinds of wonderful luck at the uh, the Minnesota's great get together. And everybody else, uh, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Al, I can't let you go because I, we have two two riddles for you to solve from John. Uh-oh. Okay. He said this is an easy one. Why can't Oh, see, that just makes it harder. <laughs> why can't you trust an atom? Uh, why can't you trust an atom? Because it makes up everything. Yep. Okay, you got that. See, he uh, said easy. What do you call a sad strawberry? What do you call a sad strawberry? I don't know. A blueberry. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, gosh, John. Yeah, oh, my man. Goodness. I am so happy that I got one. I will stride the earth like a colossus today just on the, that one. You know, uh, Karen, you know this. I know life is made up of small victories. Yes. And uh, that's mine for today. Wonderful. Well, Al, it's always great to chat with you on that. I will say so long. Until next week, happy gardening, or happy (laughs) gardening, too. Oh, 